So good morning everybody and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians. It's chilly outside. We've had our first winter frosts this weekend here in London. But whether you are here with us in person this morning or listening to this service as a podcast sometime in the future, I hope you can feel the warmth of the welcome we extend to you. You are welcome here this morning. Whoever you are, however you're feeling, whatever is going on in your life right now, and whichever direction you are heading in, this is a community that accepts you as you are. So let's take a conscious breath of arrival. And as we breathe out, we can release some of those tensions of the journeying the rush to be ready or the waiting for others to arrive. Let's be here in this moment now. And this morning, we continue to explore our monthly ministry theme for January of Lost and Found. It's a theme that sparks some fascinating conversations already. I guess that's because we live in a material world of things, of pets, of people, as as well as ideas and possibilities. And most of us in our lives get to lose and find and lose again many, many things. Someone said last week over coffee, it's a bit like we're living, all living in one enormous lost and found box. We share the pain of losing one glove or an umbrella or a set of keys or a water bottle. We share the pleasure of items found again and returned to us, bus passes and parcels, diaries and reading glasses. We understand the loss of love and hope and possibility. We understand the power of found companionship and a a caring hand (coughs) held out to us. We may indeed be living in one enormous lost and found box. So let's do what we can to help the lost and reunite the separated and comfort the bewildered. For that is surely all of us, isn't it? At some time or another. I nearly had my own lost and found moment, but I found a lighter. And let's take a moment to appreciate our chalice flame. It's connecting us with progressive Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist communities the world over. It's a light that is encouraging us to say yes to life, to truth, to love. Let's call on the hidden mystery, the sun shining behind all suns soul behind all souls in everything we touch in everyone we meet your presence is around us and within us and we give thanks for life and love and all of creation
knowing the ways in which we may have struggled or stumbled in the last week, the errors we've made, and the times when we have judged ourselves or others harshly. Let us sit in quiet understanding of our shared humanity and our capacity to do wrong or to be less than we might be. And in a few moments of shared silence now, let us quietly in our own hearts hold in loving prayer all those people and places for whom we have concern this day. And may our prayers be heard and may peace and love find their way into ourselves, into our families, our communities and our world. Amen. These stories of lost items come from different times and cultures. And in between them, and there are three, Sandra will play some Philip Glass music. In one of, in one of the many stages of life, Mullah Nasruddin, the holy fool of Sufism, would daily take the train to work as a long-suffering commuter. One day, as usual, the ticket collector made his way down the train, checking everybody's tickets. Tickets, please, he said, and Nasruddin started fumbling around in his pockets for his ticket. He looked in his trouser pocket, no ticket, nor in his jacket pocket. He opened his briefcase and looked in there, no ticket. He even started to look in other people's bag for his ticket, but it was not to be found. Eventually, the guard said to him, Nasruddin, why don't you look for your ticket in the breast pocket of your shirt? That's where most men keep it. Oh no, came the somewhat anguished reply from Nasruddin. I can't look there. If it wasn't there, I would have no hope. I can't look for it there. For it wasn't there, I would have no hope.
By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees, the religious scholars, were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled, he takes on sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and, a loss, and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And then, when you got home, call your friends and your neighbours saying, Celebrate with me. I found the lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Or imagine a woman who has lost ten coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbours. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Another tale from the Sufi tradition. Mullah came across a frowning man walking along the road to town. What's wrong, he asked. The man held up a tattered bag and moaned. All that I own in this wide world barely fits in this miserable, wretched sack. It's too bad, said Mullah. And with that, he snatched the bag and ran down the road. Having lost everything, the man burst into tears. Meanwhile, Muller quickly ran round the bend and placed the man's sack in the middle of the road where he would have to come upon him. When the man saw his bag sitting in the road before him, he laughed with joy and shouted, My sack! I thought I'd lost you! Watching through the bushes, Muller smiled. Well, that's one way to make someone happy. <laughs> Only it were that simple. How to Find Things by Guy Browning. Things don't really get lost. They're just in the last place you left them. The reason you can't find them is because you've put them somewhere you don't usually leave them. For example, nobody in their right mind leaves the remote control on the fridge. The good news is that once you start looking for it, you'll spot it immediately. 
because things that aren't where they're supposed to be stick out like a sore thumb. But that's only if you've left it on a surface. If it's got into something, like the bread bin, you won't be watching television until just after your next sandwich. <laughs> One of the most trying aspects of losing things is the advice you get from other people. For example, where did you last have it? If you knew where you last had it, you'd go and get it and it wouldn't be lost. Or people try to get all rigorous and say things like, go through your last movements. If you've gone back more than a year and you still haven't found anything, <laughs> stop. Normally, the place you look in first is where the thing is. But the difference is that instead of being on that place, it is now under that place. If you've lost something in the bedroom, it will be under the bed. Don't argue, just go and look. <laughs> when things get lost, people start looking in extraordinarily unlikely places. One moment, you can't put your hands on the photo you had seconds ago. The next, you're ripping out plasterwork, carpets, and load-bearing walls. The reason for this is that the only thing you've really lost is the sensible part of your mind. <laughs> there is another category of things you often have to look for, and that is very small items that you drop accidentally, that fiddly bit to the back of an earring or the tiny screw that holds your spectacles together. The instinct is to freeze exactly where you are and to look at the floor directly beneath you. Don't bother. After falling from your fingers, the clasp or screw or contact lens can actually move 15 meters horizontally in any direction. It's going to be impossible to find, so you should take the opportunity to forcibly remind yourself to stop being a loser. We're going to um, hear a, a short song now. It's an often sung um, American folk and gospel song. I am a poor wayfaring stranger. It's incredibly popular, this song. It's been, it's been sung by so many artists over the years. And I think its popularity stems from its, its quite mournful description of, of our human condition lost and longing to go home, whatever that means. So we're inviting you to listen to the, a few of its verses sung by Margaret and then sit in stillness and silence together with chance for your own thoughts, your own yearnings and your own feelings about this theme of lost and found. So let's ready ourselves for a time of meditation now. Thank you. 
One, um, one of my less successful early jobs was a paper round, delivering papers around our neighbourhood. Now, I think this may be one of many jobs that are disappearing in the 21st century, but when I was a teenager, there were lots and lots of print newspapers, and people liked them delivered so that they could read them with their breakfast. I mean, how many of us have delivered newspapers in this room? There is a certain amount of expertise here. <laughs> the rest of you, you're very lucky not to have delivered newspapers because they're very heavy, because it's hard to ride a bicycle with a heavy bag on your back, because letterboxes were never designed for thick newspapers, and because the print comes off on your fingers. So I'm not mourning the loss of newspaper delivery as a career, but I do mourn the decline of local newspapers, because they were so very, very, well, local, I guess. They were about the communities that they served. Their stories were interesting if you lived around those parts, as were the advertising columns at the back, the classified ads, as they were called. And our local paper had, and I don't know if yours had this, it had a lost and found section. Now, people used that column to tell people in the world that they'd lost something or that they'd found something on buses, in the streets, in other people's gardens, in taxis, jewellery, umbrellas, shopping bags, school satchels, and, and mostly cats filled the lost and found columns of our local newspaper, made for fascinating reading. It was there from an early age that I learned that jewellery is often described as having sentimental value. And cats usually answer to the name of Tibbles or something else very sweet. Lost and found items are so much part of the human condition, aren't they? These items span from the, the mundane, the everyday, the mildly irritating, all the way through to the incredibly distressing. It can be horrid and frightening to lose some things. And not all losses can be recovered from, nor should they be. Loss alters us. We are called to adapt when some changes come our ways and we are called to accept, painful though it is, the reality of impermanence, reminded again and again that life is loss. Nothing stays the same. We live amidst constant changes. It's no surprising then, is it, that there are so many spiritual teaching stories around the world about this very topic of lost and found. It's bad enough losing a sock or a glove or a diary or a watch, but oh, we humans, we know the pain of losing people through, through death or relationship changes. Our, our lives are filled with, with people and relationships coming and going, connections coming and going. 
the agony of feeling ourselves discarded when someone doesn't feel the same about us as we feel about them. Earlier on, we heard two of Jesus' most famous parables, the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep safely gathered in to go and find the one lost sheep, and the woman who loses one of her 10 coins and then searches the floor with a lamp until that lost coin is found. There are lots of interpretations to bring to these parables. They're really rich with meaning. But in Jesus' own context, they were stories telling us that we are each valuable in the sight of God, however far we have seemingly strayed or rolled from the path. That hundredth sheep has seemingly wandered off of its own accord, but the coin has been dropped through no fault of its own, I would say. In Palestine 2,000 years ago, as today, there are plenty of people whose life chances make it a lot more likely that they will stray from that so-called path. Some sheep need closer attention than others, and life itself randomly distributing life chances, as we know only too well, life drops some people and holds others. As do our human societies, favouring some, disadvantaging others. We live with unjust systems and we are called, I believe, to do what little we can to even things out. That image of a caring woman and a loving shepherd prepared to search for us is a particular feature of Christian images of the divine. It's an image that has brought comfort to many throughout the ages, and it was in that lovely gospel song, I am a poor wayfaring stranger, that thought of coming home to a loving parent um, figure, a, a responsible adult, if you like, who actually cares about us and knows us well. Don't most of us feel that need to be held at some time or another? especially when our losses cannot be replaced or recovered from. So let's help one another in the week ahead to celebrate that which is found, to grieve, truly grieve that which is lost, and to hold all that is precious, both lovingly and lightly, knowing that we are living together in one enormous lost and found box called life together. Amen. There is too much hardship in this world to not find joy every day. There is too much injustice in this world to not right the balance every day. There is too much pain in this world to not heal every day. Each of us ministers to a weary world where so many are lost, so many are seeking. So let us go forth now and do that which calls us to make this world more loving, more compassionate and more filled with the grace of divine presence every day. Amen. Go well and blessed be. <laughs>